I kind of had this moment at the end of the video there going, oh my gosh, I'm still wearing this, <laughs> aren't I? And I'm kind of like in this, this, this point of internal conflict. Do I keep this on? Does it come off? I'm going to leave it to a vote. Does it stay on? Yeah, that one. Does it come off? I'm just going to add, yeah. Yeah, you, you lost. I wish you won. I wish you'd fight for me. You know, I got to tell you. <laughs> I got to tell you, three times, three times this weekend, I literally had the razor to my head going, I've got to do this in its purest form. And three times the Lord stayed my hand. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his deliverance. Amen? <laughs> So I want to introduce you to the prophet Ezekiel this morning. I love to read Ezekiel, especially on Halloween. He's bizarre. He's esoteric. He's vulgar. And so we love him already, don't we? And there's this one passage in particular that I love this passage. It comes out of Ezekiel chapter 37 from this weird, crazed prophet who's been dragged from Israel into exile with God's people, living in Babylon, trying to make sense of things and living out there with the anguish and the plight of being a refugee, feeling as though God knowing, as though God's hand had turned against them. And yet in that moment, seeking God's greater grace and mercy and hope, even in that time of justice and judgment that they were facing. Ezekiel 37, where he gets this vision, because Ezekiel gets visions all the times, because crazy, weird, esoteric, vulgar prophets live in the visionary world, all right? And it's this vision that he gets that I want to read to you this morning. You can follow along if you'd like. If not, just listen. Listen to what he says. The hand of Yahweh was upon me, and he brought me out by the spirit of Yahweh and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Can you picture it? The hand of Yahweh is upon him, and he takes him, and he drops them into the middle of a cemetery. No, I think we could do better. An ancient battlefield where the slain laid rotting an ancient battle of long ago, maybe long forgotten. And now that all that remains is maybe that, that raven flying overhead in the middle of a spooky moon, that eerie quiet with bones and skulls of people long since forgotten strewn around him. And Yahweh asks him a question. He asked me, son of man, because that's what Yahweh likes to call Ezekiel. You may want to jump to Jesus all the time in that because Jesus loved that self-designation as well. But this is what Yahweh loves to call Ezekiel. Son of man, hey human, hey you guy, son of man, can these bones live? Look around you. 
at the thousands slain. Corpses long rotted from their bones, flesh not to be found. Son of man, can these bones live? And he said what we all say when we feel like God is setting us up. Oh, sovereign Yahweh, you alone know. And then he said to me, prophesy. Prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to the dead that you stand in the middle of. Prophesy in this ancient battlefield, this cemetery of the forgotten. Prophesy here and now to these bones and say to them, dry bones. Hear the word of Yahweh. This is what the sovereign Yahweh says to these bones. I will make breath. Spirit. Life. I will make it enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Yahweh. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the spirit, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Yahweh says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. And he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off, these bones. Are you, they're you who say, we are dried up. Our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Yahweh says, oh my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I, I am Yahweh. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, Yahweh, have spoken and I have done it, declares Yahweh. There's this idea throughout the Bible. Oh, Ezekiel mines in, but it is everywhere. There is this idea throughout the Bible that God brings life. He creates it. He sustains it. 
In him is found the fullness of life. In him is found life that actually doesn't end. This eternal life, as it's often called, is something that begins even now. But it will also be then when our bones are long dry in a grave. Life is talked about as an attribute of God, something that emanates from him almost like radiation from a sun. That the very essence of who God is pulsates and radius, radiates and showers out life. And therefore, the closer you get to God, the closer you come into God's sphere, the more that life is experienced. That even Jesus, on his way to the cross in death, discovered life and experienced more of life by coming into the, the gravitational pull of his father. That the closer we come into God, the greater the, the emanating radiation of life pours out and basks upon us. And conversely, the further we distance ourselves from God or turn from him or remove ourselves from his sphere, the more we enter into what the Bible calls the realm and existence of death because God is life. God is life. In him is found life. And the absence of God is the absence of life. Or death. I think about all these passages throughout the Bible. From top to bottom that talk about this. I think of Genesis 2. In the very beginning, when God is creating this world... And it says, he formed the man from the dust of the ground. And he breathed into him his very breath. His wind, his spirit. And the man became a living being. That all that separates us in this world from being nothing more than a bag of chemistry is the breath of God itself. Bringing life. Animating us. To become the, the living beings that we are today. I think of later in, in, in the story of Genesis. This other absolutely weird, strange, esoteric, vulgar passage that you'll find in Genesis 6. It's so weird. Let me describe it to you. We have what are called the sons of God. Basically, angelic beings. And they're looking down from heaven on what are called the daughters of men, girls. And this is my translation, but they kind of go, wow, they're hot. And the story goes on about how the sons of God come down and start sleeping with the daughters of men. Yes, it's weird. And God's watching this going, We've got a mess on our hands. Let me read this passage to you from Genesis 6, verse 3, where he says, My spirit will not contend or remain with man forever. He is mortal, corrupt. So his, his days will be numbered 
at 120. I can't have something like this living forever. It's just going from bad to worse. It's the story about God cutting short the human lifespan to curb the propagation of evil, if you will, in the world. But it's the passage specifically where he says, I will remove my spirit from this man because God does not only create life. He sustains it. That every living breath we take finds ultimate dependence on God. Sometimes we think so much of God is just making us. But if God was to withdraw his hand, life as we know it would cease. I think of the Gospel of John and how in it Jesus talks about himself so much as the essence and the bringer and the giver of life. How does the Gospel of John open? Do you know it? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Here it is. In him was life. And that life is the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Where is life to be found? Jesus says in me. Where is life to be found? It's in him. He's, he's at this well at the heat of the day and a Samaritan woman comes out to meet him. And he's thirsty and he says, can you give me something to drink? And it throws her and they get into an exchange and he turns the script on her a little bit and he goes, you know, if you were really on your game here today, you would be asking me to give you something to drink. Because what Jesus says is, I give living water. Sir, she says, show me where I can find this living water so that I can drink of it. And Jesus says, the water that I give will well up in you as a spring to eternal life. I love it when Jesus says, I am the bread and the life. The one who nourishes and sustains. I love it when Jesus is standing by the graveside of his dear friend and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will never die, and even though he dies, will live. And he says these famous words, do you believe this? I love what Jesus has to say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I love how Jesus has to say, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy but I have come that they may have life. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. He'll even go so far as to say this, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and they are full of life. And with Jesus, eternal life is not just something that we wait for someday. It's something he says that starts now. Do you think of eternal life as beginning today? If the answer is no, you're not alone. Most Christians I meet don't. 
But the promise of Jesus is not just that there is an eternal life to come, but the life he offers begins here and now. The new life, new birth, new creation that emanates from him is something that you can have today experience. Today, begin to taste of. Today. You can read the story in John 7. It's kind of fun. The whole gospel really is. It's worth your time. Where he stands up in the middle of this festival, festival called the, the Feast of Lights. And, and he says this. I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me, and I want to read this to you word for word. As the scripture has said, Rivers of living water will flow from within him. Now, let me read it again. All right, this is what he says. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. But see, I'm reading it word for word because as cool as that is, I love the picturesque language of the King James Version better. Let me read it to you today. He that believeth in me, you can make anything King James just by adding an F to the end of it. <laughs> he that believeth in me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, I've known a lot of unpleasant things to flow out of people's bellies, especially my dad. But I love the imagery out of here, out of your gut, out of your belly. God will do something in your inner being. In the bowels of who you are, he will transform you and gush forth life, not death. Out of your very being, rivers and streams of water will flow. Eternal life is a gift that God brings today. I love how the second century follower of Jesus named Irenaeus put it. In this famous work called Against Heresies, which could be translated in a dynamic way today, is something kind of like this. Shutting down the stupid ideas. He has this famous line where he goes, the glory of God is man fully alive. I'm going to say it again. The glory of God is man fully alive. I like that. Does that throw some things on its head for you, though? Do you think about bringing, to glory, about bringing glory to God as experiencing the fullness of life itself? It also reveals something, that a lot of us are half dead. Oh, we may draw breath. Oh, we may be animated. We may walk the streets. But like something from a Halloween movie, many of us resemble zombies in God's eyes. More than the life animated creatures that we're meant to be. God wants you to be fully alive. Without him, we're not. But he offers it. Jesus offers it, life, to the full. This goes so contra 
all of the heresies or, or, or bad ideas that are out there that people have about God, that God comes fundamentally to snuff out life, curtail your life, ruin your life, limit your life, hamper your life, take the fun out of life, ruin the joy in life, or somehow stifle life within you. There could be nothing further from the truth. How does the very Bible itself open? It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And already in verse 2, we get the Spirit of God on the scene. Now the earth was formless and void. i got to give you the Hebrew on this because I can't resist and it's just really cool. It was tohu vabohu. Doesn't that just like... Doesn't that just like rock? The earth was tohu vabohu. It was void. It was empty. It was abyss. It was chasm. There was nothingness. And the Spirit of God hovered over the abyss. These waters of the deep. And God said, What? Let there be light. And life began to explode on the scene from the very word of God. The very motion of the spirit brought life to that which was dead and dormant and inert. And he did it with wondrous array. No, not some cookie cutter, factory produced creation where all things are the same. Began to weave his magic and speak his word and bring creation into wondrous array. My stepmom before she retired, was an etymologist with Homeland Security. Her job was to make sure that invasive species did not come in. She was a bug scientist. I got this interesting stat that I want to share with you here today, and I want to make sure I get the number correct. Here it is. There are 750,000 cataloged species cataloged species of insects. Does that strike you as wondrous array? We ask stupid questions like, why do mosquitoes exist? Why would God make something as trivial or, or worthless as this? And yet we see something very different from God. We see them as all the same. But God creates each of them special in a wondrous array And if she was here today telling you this, she would tell you that most scientists believe that we haven't even discovered the majority of species in existence. Last Friday, I was driving up to a wedding in Madison, Rock on Pelka family. And on the way, I was going through dials because I still like to listen to old school radio and came across some talk radio, where it was a professor of fungus from the University of Wisconsin in Madison talking about lectures on, well, fungus. I guess such a thing exists. Here's a statue throughout. The estimates are that only 5% of all fungus has been discovered and identified. 
How many varieties are known so far? About 74,000. Putting that strange thing growing in your walls or in the back of your closet among an estimated maybe 1.5 million that haven't even been cataloged yet. I'll just share this with you today that if you're on your way to the wedding and you haven't listened to a lecture about fungus, you're just letting the best in life pass you by. <laughs> Does that sound like a life-inhibiting God to you? No. The Spirit brings life and He brings it to the full. He creates it. He sustains it. He animates it. He continues it. And where God creates, we see that God is creative. There's this strange passage I want to share with you today. It comes out of Exodus 31. It's one of these passages that people like read but don't tell their friends about because they're embarrassed. And this is what it has to say. Yahweh said to Moses, Look, I have chosen Bezalel. If you're expecting here today and need a name, Bezalel might be up your alley. He's the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Benjamin. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. What's the result? With skill, ability, and knowledge in all kinds of crafts to make artistic designs for work in gold and silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood, to engrave all kinds of craftsmanship. And if that ain't enough, I've also appointed Aholiab, another great name, son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. And I have given skill to all the craftsmen to make everything I have commanded you. Does that sound like a God who is trying to limit life or expand it. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I think of what Romans has to say. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies who is living in you. God wants to give you life. Life. I want to show you one of the coolest pictures I have ever seen. This is from a funeral that took place here at Fellowship of Faith about 10 or 12 years ago from a great brother, his name is Mike Link, whose life was taken way too soon. Here it is. This picture is not doctored. It is not photoshopped. It has not been altered in any way. What you're looking at is our stage back in the day and his remains in an urn on a table. And through whatever freak course of events, However, the light happened to be coming through the window that day. It shone a perfect spotlight, not artificial, not us guiding a light. No, 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 no. This is all what is going on right on it. That even when we're dead and ash, that even when we are in the valley of dry bones, 
God isn't finished yet. He's humming with life. With promises to bring it to the full. Most people I meet think of death as inevitable. The last great enemy. Undefeated. It's gonna come. And no matter what we say or what we do or what we hope, or no matter how we avoid the topic, we know this is the one that wins in the end. God scoffs and laughs. He scoffs and laughs and calls it the last enemy to be defeated. He talks of a day to come when even death will be put under Jesus' feet. Who has already beaten death himself and promises that same life to all beings who call on his name. I see and hear something cool of a hope and a promise of that life offered in his name. What does Yahweh say? My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. You know why today's called Halloween? It's, it's, it's an abbreviation or it's shorthand for All Hallows Eve. You know what an Eve is? It's the day before which means that tomorrow is Hallows, or All Hallows, or All Hallows Day. Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, Hallows Day, Hallows Eve. You with me? You know what Hallows Eve is kind of about? Put aside for a minute the, the traditions and the folklore. Put aside for a minute some of the Celtic roots. Put aside for a minute the popularization of things. And let's look at what the Christians of antiquity had to do with this day. It was a day to commemorate that even though we die, in Christ we live. Now and forever, with bodies someday, to come from the grave. There's a brother here at Fellowship of Faith whose own wife was taken way too soon. One of the coolest things, believe it or not, her ashes are actually buried about right here in the foundation under the stage. Because when this building was being built, that's how much the hope and promise of Christ in this church meant to them. He put together this plaque recently, and in time, as things continue to build and develop up there, it'll be posted. But for now, I just want to tell you about it. It's just a list of names. It's a list of names 
of people in Christ who are deeply connected to fellowship of faith, who have since gone to the grave. I want to read this list of names to you. And as I do, I want you to look at this passage and seek to understand the hope of life that we're talking about today. In chronological order from this church's beginning until today. Fremont Bacchus, Karen Goucher, Ed Anderson, Helen Cullenkark, Agnes Richards, Louise Schwager, Dolores Steiner, Dick Lawler, Ed Thorin, Mildred Eckhart, Mildred Glaway, Virginia Thorin, Bob Sturmer, Bonnie Brown, Jeanette Collins, Tom O'Dell, Holly Fedier, Martha Olesic, Dale Benson, Adeline Hansen, Bill Schneider, Sandy Ward, Michael Link, Sally Runke, Brian Nuss, Robert Steiner, Frank Olesic, Marion Whitehead, Tom Ward, Marv Olson, Jordan Johnson, Tony Friels, Arlene Sturmer, Nora Bussey, Linda Sprinkle, Roger Dumke, Donna Sandberg, Jeanette Link, Linda Rosinski, Robert Yankee, Marilyn Stanek. My people, Yahweh says, listen to me. I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. Because Jesus has come that you may have life and have it to the full. <laughs>